0: been a good morning already, right? The Lord is here in this place and he's working and he has truth for us. And, you know, we've been called to a life, thank you, that's radically different than what we lived before and is radically different than anything that the world offers today. Amen. We, We are followers of Jesus and that shows up in how we live. We don't live like we used to and we don't live like the world. And that's that's seen in what we do, but it's more seen in how we do. It shows up in how we view life, how we relate, how we raise our children, how we carry out what it means to be married, how we work, all of those. And this life that we live, it is a life that is vertical first. You shall The first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The vertical, out of this comes this, and you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. As you know this love, vertical, you will know how to love in this way. And as we've been experiencing in this series, the way that shows up in our life, the real proof that we believe that is that we give God the first part of all that we have. He doesn't get the leftover. He doesn't get the maybe I will, if I have time, if I got enough strength. No, the way God says to trust him is by giving him the first part of everything. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge him. And then he promises he'll make our path straight. We looked last week about what this means. We talked about some areas that this shows up in our life. some areas where we trust him with the first. We trust him with the first of our time, our career, our future, our plans, our reputation, our longings, our comfort, our fears, our worries. We say, God, I want you to have the first part of these. So if I have a circumstance come up in my life and a flood of thoughts come racing in, I'm going to give God the first part of those thoughts so that he sets the tone for the rest of the thoughts. The first part belongs to him. My first thoughts, my first concerns, my hurts, I let him speak first about them before I start giving commentary to them and before others start telling me what they think I should do about it. I let him speak my understanding, my health, my weaknesses, my vulnerability, my marriage My children, my relationships, my possessions, my money, he gets the first of all of it. It's the greatest evidence that you truly do trust him. It's the way of saying, God, I so trust you that I believe you will bless what I give to you and then you'll bless the rest as well. It's the real definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. God, I so trust you that I, I might feel stressed, but I give you the first part because I believe with confidence that what I bring to you, you will bless. I give you the first part of my week. That's what we're doing here right now. I give you the first part of my day because what I do with you sets the tone for the rest of it. And I know if I give you the first, you'll bless it and the rest. Amen. This is what he has promised. In fact, it shows up like this, I believe, in our life. It's such a confidence that we say that we confidently believe that he will wildly bless what we trust into his hands. If you're taking notes, are you going to pull your phone out and take a picture of that, do that. This is going to show up a lot today. And this is how you and I are called to live. With confidence that he will wildly bless, not barely, not maybe, not hopefully. He will wildly bless what we trust into his hands. And we believe it so strongly that we can even speak. Listen to me carefully that we can even speak prophetically that we know what God's gonna do next. If someone comes to me and says, I'm struggling with what to do in my life, and we talk for a while, I'll remind them of the verse I'd said earlier. If you'll trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways, if you'll acknowledge him, then here's what I can powerfully, purposefully, prophetically say. He's gonna direct your paths, I promise you. Just last week, after the message about first, I talked to a couple of people who said, you know what, God has spoken to me. There's some areas of my life where I have not put him first and I am going to. It's gonna require courage, but I'm going to do it. And I said, I promise you, God will bless that. We can speak with that kind of confidence. This is what we've been invited to in the faith in Jesus Christ. Not some, well, we'll see what happens. Not maybe. Not, well, I don't deserve that. Come on. In Jesus Christ, you have been given precious promises. Let us hold on to those and believe that he will wildly bless. Amen? Are we game for this? It's what God's word promises. It's what he said he will do. He will bless. He will heal. He'll rebuild. He'll reconcile. He'll pour out his favor. He'll do the miraculous if we will have this kind of faith. This kind of faith. That he will do it. He'll wildly do it. This is what he promises. But I want to tell you what God does not bless. And this part has hurt me this week because I see it in me. Because I see what it's like sometimes when I hear God say, will you trust me with it? And you tell me if this is not an experience of yours. Let's assume I've got these things that God has given me in my life. And he says, I want you to give me the first of that. Maybe it's your thoughts, maybe it's your time, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your emotions, maybe it's your health, I don't know what it is. But God says to you, I want you to trust me with it and here's how I want you to trust me, I want you to give me the first part of that. Let me drive the first part of this. Tell me if this is not sometimes how you respond. Oh God, that's just gonna be so hard. It's just so difficult to let go. I don't know if I can do that, God. I just I mean, I I just feel better if I'm controlling this whole thing. Just to let to let you have it, it just means I gotta let go of it. It's just so hard, but okay, okay. Oh, all right, fine. You can have it. Oh. Can anybody relate to what I just said and did? Hello? Yeah, or it's like, I don't want to. Uh, I had to give it up. Can you believe I had to give that up? Can you believe what God told me? I had to give that up. Hey, what am I going to do now? Uh. Anybody relate? You understand what I'm talking about? Or okay. Oh, now my life's over. This is going to be terrible. It's just I'm just depressed. I mean, God told me I had to give it up. So, anybody relate? much as it hurts me, for me, and I know it will for all of us, God does not bless any of that. Because it was never this that he was after, it was this. And faith is the conviction, confidence of what is not seen. Faith believes that he will wildly bless, not he is gonna wildly punish me. I have to do this. So any kind of response on our part that's fine, take it, whatever, you win, I'm done. Ooh, this always happens to me. As real as all of that is, there is no promise in scripture blessing upon that. Now, you know this is really true. Because how many times have you ever asked your child for something and they say, fine, here! What parent says, oh, you're such a great child, come here. Hello? No parent likes, okay, I'll load the dishwasher. Ugh. Right? No parent says, you're such a great child, I just love you so much. I just wanna bless you because of that. Right? You get it, you understand. But it hurts when it gets that personal to us, all of a sudden. We're talking about stuff that God's asking from us. But that's not what faith is. Faith is this, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, well, watch this, must believe that he is God and that he is a... Say it one more time. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's not a punisher. He's not a condemner. He's not a passive spectator said about time. No, he says he will reward Those who diligently seek him. So faith says, God, I have held on to this thing. I've worried about it, thought about it, struggled with it, I'm holding on to it, it's hard. But God, I'm believing your word. You said, if I give you the first, you will bless. So God, I do give it and I give it with a wild confidence that you're gonna bless that thing, whatever that is in your life. This is confident, trust, and faith, and this is what God blesses. God blesses this. Here are things that God blesses. God blesses confidence in him. God blesses confidence in his promises. God blesses confidence in his character. God blesses those who have a certainty about them that even though it hasn't happened yet, God will bring it to pass. God loves that kind of faith. That's what he's looking at. He's not looking at the thing, he's looking at the faith. And the faith that you have is what he will respond to, the confidence that you have in him. Now, we're going to see this today in a biblical story, that if you've been around the church for some time, you're going to know the story. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. Story of a parent and a child. It's the story of a man who learned and is learning to believe that God will wildly bless what he'll put into God's hands. Now, I'm assuming that most of you in the room know the story. I'm not going to linger long about what happens in the beginning part of the story. The short version is this Abraham has been given a child, a child of promise, a child of love. And this child is going to be the path that God will use to bless a thousand generations. It's Isaac. And Abraham has struggled in his past with the whole decision about having a child. He tried to go about it and do it it his own way instead of God's way, but God gave them a child in his old age to his wife. It was barren. This is the child of promise. But there comes a day when God says to Abraham, that child of promise I gave you, I want you to give him to me. I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now this seems bizarre, unusual, that a child will be sacrificed one, but that the very path that God was gonna use to bless future generations, God would say, I want you to give him to me. I want you to take the life of your only son Isaac on an altar. I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, the Bible tells us that Abraham got up early one morning and he took off with his son and two other young men they saddled up, they grabbed some wood for a burnt offering to do what God had told him to do. Now, what is interesting is what Abraham says as they are about to go up the mountain. In Genesis 22, 5, it says this, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Let me read that last part one more time. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Scripture's not missing a word. Abraham intentionally said, we will go worship and we will come back. But I thought he was going to offer up his son. How can we go and him take the life of his son and we come back? Something's not adding up here. This is not Abraham just trying to uh, do parent talk in front of his child. You know how you code stuff in front of your children so they don't know what you're talking about? Hey, uh, we are going to go over there and we'll be back. Come along, Isaac. This is not Abraham being creepy in this moment, okay? Abraham knows something. Abraham is believing something. This is not coded parent language. This is not Abraham just hoping and wishing. Abraham knows something. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, because This is one of those stories that we have in the Old Testament, and then the New Testament tells us about the story. And I love it when the Bible is the commentary on the Bible, (laughs) because then I don't have to guess what's happening. I can know the Holy Spirit said over here what is actually happening back here. So watch this. In the New Testament, it says in Hebrews 10, by faith Abraham when he was tested, offered up Isaac. So it's the exact story. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. This is Abraham doing this with Isaac. There's an obviously beautiful reference here to Jesus, this only begotten son. But he goes on, it says, of whom it was said in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Abraham knew this is the child of promise. God had told me already and I'm remembering what he said that through Isaac will future generations be blessed. So Abraham's holding to that. He didn't let go of it. Even if God says, I want you to give up your son, Abraham's holding that promise. You said, you promised. He held to it. And here's the, here's the wild thing. It says here that Abraham concluded, came to the conclusion that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That even if he had gone and followed through with the sacrifice of taking his only son, Abraham was convinced that God, if he had gone through the whole process, God would resurrect him and he would be alive again and we would come back. Now, from where you and I sit today, we think, yep, resurrection. That's awesome. Lots of stories in the Bible about it. Listen here. This is Genesis. There had been no stories of resurrection up to this point. None. There was nothing about Jonah yet. thrown into the grave where Elijah's bones were and that man came back to life. There's no story about Lazarus and there's no story about Jesus yet. And here's Abraham saying, I can do this because if God calls me to do it, I know he's going to provide. He'll even just raise that boy up from the dead and we will come back together. Even when there was no such thing on earth yet of a resurrection. That is wild faith that God would wildly bless. I told you, Abraham knew something. So how do, you, how do you know he had that kind of confidence? Well, the book of Romans also tells us that Abraham was one who was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. You see, again, I think we may have the definition of faith wrong sometimes. We let go of things with our (sighs) defeat. We let go of things sometimes in sadness. We let go of things sometimes as, well, it's just what you have to do. I sure don't like doing it, but you know it's terrible. It's, my whole life's terrible. God does not bless complaint, defeat, misery, and He sure doesn't bless just doing a religious task. What God blesses is a heart that says, "God, I hear Your promises. I believe You, and I will hold to that promise, and I will give." I will let go because I know you will wildly bless it. And it's better to get it out of my hands and into your hands because you're the blesser who blesses. And God wildly blessed Abraham. Listen to the passage from Genesis. It goes on in verse 16, it says, and God says, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. This is after it's happened, after they've come back. God provided a sacrifice. God provided a ram to offer up instead of Isaac. All of that happened. And then heaven spoke. And this is what God is saying, because you have done this, because you have not held back even your most cherished, close possession of your heart. Here's what he says. I will surely bless you. That means I'm going to wildly bless you. And I will surely, wildly, confidently, multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of the enemies. He said, you, you trusted me. You believed me. And now I'm gonna wildly bless. Verse 18, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You can count on it. God will wildly bless when you obey and give with a heart of confident faith. It says, so Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived in Beersheba. Moving passage, right? Moving verse, right? No. What in the world? What is Beersheba and what does that mean? It's not a tavern outside of town, is it? No, it's not Beersheba. Beersheba in Hebrew, and as we see the story play out, means the place of seven blessings and Abraham would go and live there. Seven wells were in that town and God gave them to Abraham, wells, well springs to provide for his family, to provide for their livestock, to provide for all that he had and beyond. And it just reminds me That if you and I will trust God with confident faith that he will wildly bless what we put into his hands, he will cause us to live in the place of wild blessings. It'll happen. Just like last week we saw in Deuteronomy 28. If you will diligently obey what the Lord has commanded, he'll give you victory over your enemies. He'll give you success in what you set out to do. He'll give you the confidence that God is with you. He'll give you influence to the world around you. He'll give you increase of all you have. He'll give you provision beyond what you can imagine. And he will give you dominion. You will be the head and not the tail. Those are all the promises. And so the promise remains for us today. What you will put in his hands with confident faith, not defeated, depressed, discouraged, disillusioned, Confident faith, I give it because I know you'll bless it. This will happen for us. This will happen for you if you'll put him in the first place. Which also means this. If there's an area in your life that God is putting his finger on, even today, and you hear him, and I'm confident he's speaking right now. If there's an area that God is saying, give me the first of that he's asking for it, he wants to bless it. He's not asking for it to punish you. He's asking for it to bless it and to bless you. So the question is, will you be willing to put into his hands what he asks, And will you do it with the confident faith that he will wildly bless it? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, this may be new for us. This may be different than what we thought. But this is your word and your truth. I thank you that we have the story of Abraham, whom you wildly blessed, because he was willing to confidently believe you. I pray we would have that same kind of faith, not defeated, depressed, depressed, complaining obligation faith but confident certain trusting believing that you are good you are true you are faithful and you will wildly bless what we release from our hand and our heart into your hands it may involve tears it may involve a moment of brokenness it may be the most difficult thing we've ever done you promised. If we'll do so in faith, you will wildly bless it. I pray that would be true for us today. I pray that stories would start to emerge from our own church family here of you wildly blessing what we have entrusted into your hands. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.